0: And That's what I've been trying to say, especially through my podcast over the last year. I think a lot of us are going to look back at some of the prices we paid in the spring and the summer and go, wow, I got a pretty good price on, on that stock that day, and yet, importantly, it didn't feel good at all to pick it. I'm Chris
1: Hill, and that's David Gardner, co-founder of The Motley Fool and host of the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast. I caught up with him because 2022 has been a rough one for stocks in general, and certainly for rule-breaking companies. We talked about two books that can help your investing mindset, what we can learn from Zoom Video's short, strange trip, and what David is especially curious about right now. Let's start with with doing uh, something that I know it's not your favorite exercise, but it's looking backwards. Uh, because the first half of this year was the roughest first half of the calendar year for investors that we've had in decades. Uh, and it was particularly tough on growth stocks, rule breaker stocks. And I'm curious if there was a- any point where you thought to yourself, you know what? The thesis on this company might be broken. Or did you just view it as, look, we haven't had a pullback like this in some time. Maybe we were overdue. And as we always have in the past as investors, we'll get through this as well.
0: Wow. Well, I would say all the above. (laughs) Let's just pull it apart for a sec. Um, I, I would say, first of all, that I'm always um, investing. ABI, always be investing, Chris. I think everybody should always be investing. If you are um, not in retirement, if you're not about to retire, you should be a net saver and you should just be adding that money to the market through thick and through thin. So, in this sense, let's go back to Finding Nemo. I know it's one of your favorite movies. It has to be Chris right? Because it's the world's favorite. Yeah, top five, just keep Swimming, it's it's a. I, I found myself using that as a hashtag on Twitter throughout a lot of this year. I spoke to it on my my podcast. I think that that. Um, I mean, it's always true anyway, right? You should be if you are earning a salary. You should be saving every two weeks, and I think you should be adding it to the market in whatever way you prefer, whatever your orientation is. For a lot of Motley Fool Stock Advisor members, we have. Another good stock idea for you, a recommendation every couple of weeks. So um, there are different rhythms and some people just want to do funds and that's fine too, but just keep swimming. I think the reason we need to say just keep swimming is not when the tide is coming in and or the surfing feels good. Uh, I think that Dory starts saying just keep swimming because it's a time of stress. So it underscores, uh, the times when it's hard, that's when we need to hear that that phrase, even though we should always be doing that all the time anyway. Um, two other things I want to say quickly. One is that Zoom is really instructive here, just the stock, ticker symbol ZM, uh, certainly a rule breaker like PIC, um, one that many Fools own. Three years ago this month, Chris, it was at $100 a share. Um, somewhere between three years and now it went up Near $600 a share, and today it's right around $100 a share. As I tweeted recently, what a short, strange trip it's been. And this is not just true of Zoom, it is instructive. It is true of many other rule breakers and rule breaker like companies. And I just think that you have to look at the company's results. This company has really grown substantially through these three years. And while expectations were maybe that the pandemic lockdown would continue longer and or that, I don't know, Zoom would take over the world. It didn't. And I think we're all kind of glad that the pandemic lockdown is is slowly melting away. So, I, I like Zoom for the long term. And we just have to recognize that stocks that go from 100 to 600 to 100, that's not usual. Uh, it's an unusual time. It was really a, a one-off in history, at least in our lifetime. We haven't faced pandemic investing. It's kind of a poster child for me about the craziness of the last couple of years. And then, to close, my long shaggy dog answer to your first good question, Chris, I want to say that I'm I'm up 44% right now for my June lows. I spent most of 2022 talking about how far down I am from a, a year or two ago. But I do want to say, at least for me, and I don't—I hope this isn't bragging out of turn, because I hope it's true of a lot of other Rule Breaker investors and a lot of other Motley Fool members, check it. You might be up pretty dramatically in just the last couple of months. I can't think of that many two-month periods where I'm up 44%. So Sometimes we need to shock ourselves back into recognizing what's really happening and not spend so much time gawking in the rearview mirror. But since I'd like to briefly gawk in the rearview mirror, I have to admit, I'm still down 34% from my all-time highs, which for me, were in November of last year. So Still down a third from that, but up 44% in two months. That's more of the craziness that we're talking about.
1: Oh, and it's, a, it's an important reminder, I think, when you use Zoom as an example, because so often the narrative, the, the conversation around stocks is about the stock price and not about the underlying business. And so the idea that Uh, you know, because I'm sure there are a lot of people who just looked at that and said, well, there you go. It's, you know, it's, it's crashed back to earth where it was at the start of the pandemic. And I'm guessing fewer people took the time to say, well, wait a minute, what was the business like then? What is the business like now? Is the business, even though at both points in time, this stock is $100 a share, is the business stronger now? Is it better now than it was
0: yeah, I think uh, there's the absolutely no time. question. No question that it is. And, you know, three years ago this month was August of 2019. I don't think that um, that the pandemic had even presented itself in China very de- demonstrably in right. August of 2019. So, I think uh, the conventional wisdom is to look at Zoom, call it a broken stock, say it's gone from 500 to 100 and, you know, it was a joke, but we're not following the conventional wisdom at The Motley Fool. We're fools. I look at Zoom and I'm thinking, wow, it's it's where it was before the pandemic. This company's substantially grown. It's also a ubiquitous, globally known brand name. And uh, I, I think it's probably a pretty good buy right here, right now. But again, that takes looking forward. You have to be always looking forward as you just keep swimming, not spend time crying in your soup looking backward.
1: And certainly the underlying economy right now is significantly stronger than it was during the Great Recession. And you had said that buying stocks for you during the Great Recession was tough because they were all going down. Everything was going down. Um, uh, There were legitimate conversations happening about uh, the strength of the U.S. dollar, um, the strength of America's banking system. Um, To the extent that you can so back in time, 14 years or so, how did you maintain that net buyer mindset at a, at a time that was even tougher than the, the recent drop we had here?
0: Well, in a lot of ways, it was quite easy. and I don't mean psychologically easy, but um, operationally easy. By our very nature at The Motley Fool, if you're working on a service like Motley Fool Stock Advisor or Motley Fool Rule Breakers, I was working on both through 2008-2009. That means I was making 3 new stock picks every single month. 2 new rule breakers, 1 new stock advisor pick. By the way, also 5 best buys now for each of those services. So it was 13 independent stock recommendation decisions every single month. It wasn't just true of 2008-09, but also of 2005 2007 and 18 19 So that was that's just the rhythm that we are in, and especially if you're in a position as an analyst or an advisor at the Fool, it's also true of all of our members. You're listening to us. You're, you're buying, I hope, and with a smile, most years, you're buying our recommendations and you're using them to prosper in your own portfolio. So, if you are being forced, Chris Hill, every single month to come up with 13 of your best ideas at the time, uh, it's just operationally necessary for you to do so in uh, December of 2008 or February of 2009, even though, yes, it felt like I was walking through a minefield and half of the things that I would pick within three to six weeks would be halved. It was a remarkable time. I, I don't wish it on anyone. It's felt a little bit like that over the last year and a half or so. But, um, but you know, now we look back, of course, and we realize those were some of the best picks that we made in Stock Advisor and Rule Breaker's history. Not necessarily because we're geniuses or we picked the best stocks, although I think we picked some pretty good stocks, simply because the market was at such a low point that we now look at those cost bases and think, wow. And That's what I've been trying to say, especially through my podcast over the last year. I think a lot of us are going to look back at some of the prices we paid in the spring and this summer and go, wow, I got a pretty good price on on that stock that day. And yet, Importantly, it didn't feel good at all to pick it. So um, I I don't want to hold myself up as an exemplar or a particularly courageous person. It was simply business necessity, the delivery of the services that people had paid for, that I just kept picking, just kept swimming through those two really, really tough years.
1: Uh, one more question around mindset uh, before we move on. Um and this is also going back a number of years, but uh, David Allen's book, "Getting Things Done," I know that's a book that had a positive impact on your work life. And I'm curious whether it's a book or an article, uh, or maybe even just someone you follow on Twitter. If um, what you've read that has helped your mindset as an investor,
0: well. I read very few investment books, so I'm not about to give an investment book per se. I do read a lot more business books because ultimately as foolish investors, we're investing in businesses. We're not playing games with the market or meme stocks. We're looking at the real uh, hard blue glow of capitalism and saying, you know, what's great? What's going to what's going to prosper? What's going to make the world better over the next 10 years? So for me, my book, the one that comes to mind first I'll give two is The Inevitable by Kevin Kelly. And it's just a wonderful book. I'm going to guess a lot of our listeners have actually heard of Kevin Kelly, who co founded Wired and may well have read um, The Inevitable. It was actually recommended to me by Bernd Schmidt, one of our um, wonderful German fools. He's like, David, you would like this book. You're a rule breaker. Bernd is also a rule breaker. Uh, so I read it, loved it, interviewed Kevin on my podcast. So anybody who wants to skip it, not read the book, although I really think you should. We actually only talk about the first half of the book on the podcast, but you can definitely hear Kevin speak to it. And the reason I think this is a valuable book, Chris, is because he has us thinking about the 12 technological forces that will shape the future. So, one of the best antidotes to not getting too caught up in the storm and drong of near term market movements or sad market losses over looking back over the last year is just to keep looking ahead and realize the amazing technologies. That are already around us and that will only continue to um, proliferate and probably make themselves more awesome over the course of the next 20 years. And that's a wonderful, for me, that's a mindset builder and reminder. Always be asking where are things headed next most of the time. A lot of people are bearish. They think things are going down. They think things are going to be worse for their kids than they've been for themselves. That's been consistently wrong throughout history. It's very evident that we take for granted today things that our grandparents would have dreamed of. Uh, And that's going to be true of our grandchildren. So, there's a wonderful, positive um, future coming. People like Kevin Kelly know that, and they speak to it. It's a great book. The one other book that I'll speak to is just, this has nothing to do with investing, unless you start thinking about why are you investing and what are you going to do at the end of your life. All of our lives will end one day, sadly, Uh, and thinking about the legacy that you want and asking yourself, have I taken the necessary steps to position my money and my family To Succeed When I'm Not Around reminds me of a wonderful book called Let's Talk About Death Over Dinner by Michael Hebb. I highly recommend this, not just to investors, but to all humans. It's, of course, not an investment book, nor is The Inevitable. These are both books about culture and life that deeply influence and shape how I act as an investor and as an entrepreneur. So, The Inevitable, and then Let's Talk About Death Over Dinner, both of them kind of about inevitability. I like the themes being
1: tied together. Um, When it comes to technology, business ideas, uh, what do you find yourself curious about as you look around these days, whether it's news that you read, conversations you have? um, What are the things that you find yourself looking at and considering? Uh, I wonder where that's going.
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is space, just because we are we are going through a process of looking deeper into the galaxy with more clarity than ever before, and we have more of a mindset to understand and appreciate the vastness of it. Um, if you think I'm about to work this into a space stock, I'm probably not, but I do just want to share an anecdote that that for me has been instructive and inspirational. Um, I took, at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, I took one astronomy course to fulfill a requirement in my freshman year. And the one thing I remember, well, actually, I remember a lot about that, course, because I'm kind of an amateur astronomer, closet fan of astronomy. I just don't know enough even to be dangerous. But one thing I did note at the time, my textbook circa 1985, my astronomy textbook said, we can't yet prove the existence of planets outside Of our solar system, so here in this astronomy textbook, one generation ago, we can't tell you that there are planets outside of just you know Pluto, which by the way I guess is not a planet anymore. But looking farther out, we don't see any, so we can't, as scientists, we can't say there are any. Well, fast forward to early days of the Motley Fool. I remember giving a speech in the mid 1990s, and at that time, talking some about space uh, and the acceleration of technology, which is ultimately the point I was making, at that point, we believed that there were 1 billion galaxies, and the average galaxy, including our Milky Way, had about a billion stars. Now, those are remarkable numbers. It's hard for human beings, of course, to wrap our minds around what it would be like to have a billion galaxies that we found, and our galaxy, about average, a billion stars. But let's update the numbers, shall we? This is the end of my anecdote. These days. We would say that the Milky Way itself has 100 to 200 billion stars. And we have now identified, I believe, you can check it, 2 trillion galaxies. So, just think about the mind expansion and the rapidity of improvement of our understanding of of the universe at large and how it has massively enlarged over just the course of, you and I are the same age, basically, since college. And so, that just humbles me and reminds me always to have a, an open mind and a mind alive to infinite possibilities and things you couldn't possibly dream up. It's I think it's kind of a rule-breaker's mindset. But space, when you say, what am I curious about? And of course, the Webb Telescope now returning images that are um, starkly beautiful and more detailed than we've ever seen before. And I don't, I'm not about to rec- recommend a company that I've heard that no one else has heard of that's going to be mining space minerals and making a a bundle, and let's get in now. But I'm watching. I'm certainly respectful. I'm not. I haven't been a big Virgin Space fan. I've never recommended that stock or owned it. But, um, but you know, I think that's even if it's just voyeurism over the last I don't know 30 years of our lives since we're in our mid 50s. Um, even if we're just paying attention and just enjoying the eye candy of it, I think it's fascinating. But there might well be more investment and possibility. Emerging, I think that there will be. So I'm fascinated by that. And I guess my one other quick thing is just conscious capitalism. You know, I'm on the board of the National Organization uh, Conscious Capitalism, and I, I I think that conscious capitalism is a way of doing business better that elevates humanity. It's the companies that people love to go to work for every day. It's the stocks that outperform the market. In my experience, the Motley Fool is certainly trying to do its best to be a conscious capitalist. A company and an exemplar. And I'm sure, um, in some ways, we do it really well. And in some ways, we, we, we have a lot more to learn. But I, I truly believe that business is self-improving. And, and that's because business is competitive. And the only way to win is to be better, better than you were yesterday. And so, the businesses that really are set up to get that, those are my stock picks. Those always have been. Those are the companies I love uh, as an entrepreneur and the one we're trying to create. So, space and conscious capitalism.
1: I know you just got back uh, from uh, a vacation in Scotland and England. And uh, I know that when I go on vacation, no matter how hard I try, I'm never 100% successful at shutting off the investing part of my brain. And I'm, <laughs> I've I'm, heard I'm, you
0: say this over the years many times on Motley Full Money. Yeah, how often I, it is, it, is it that Chris Hill comes back and he has a business insider thought, even though he was supposed to be with his kids?
1: I was, yeah, I'm I'm trying to get better. I really am, um, but but I'm curious if you if you share this same malady and and if in fact there was anything in the investing realm or the business realm that you uh, that you observed and uh, and piqued your interest when you were overseas.
0: I don't think I have a very good answer to this one. I'll I'll say that while I was overseas, I think that Papa John announced that it would have crust-free pizza. Um, <laughs> I know that that has been much talked about at this point, but I'll just say that it was a, a non-entity kind of a story for me. I, I, I don't care about that story, but that, that was a business thing that crossed my iPhone, I think, somewhere uh, in the, the highlands of Scotland at the time. Uh, but I, you know, m- my experience of traveling this particular time, which was 10 days in the UK, I came across a bunch of people who know The Motley Fool. And that that was a real eye opener for me. I often think, you know, it's just the full thing. We've been doing it. It's like largely a U.S. phenomenon, and yet getting overseas and having so many people recognize our company and our brand um, was exciting for me, Um, and it was challenging too because one thing that came through a number of the voices that I, I had conversations with them, because they figured out who I was. We were actually all on a train together traveling around Scotland. And so they figured out who I was. So each one wanted to have their Motley Fool conversation with me. And I heard, on the one hand, encouraging news that we're simplifying our services. And you know the, that's really what The Fool's done in a lot of ways. It's It's made investing accessible and simpler for people. But I also heard from people who said we need to f- To simplify further. And so I would just say, as co chairman of the company, I hear you on both counts. I think that it's really important for the motley fool to be making investing as accessible for as many people as possible. We have certainly, in some ways, simplified the services that we sell and that we offer, but I think we probably have some more work to do there. So there's a thought. Always great talking to you. Thank you, sir. Full on.